Don't be that business owner left scratching your head, wondering why your industry colleague got $400,000 and you didn't when the employee retention tax credit fully sunsets in 2024. In this limited focus ERC masterclass, listen as tax attorney and ERC specialist Travis Watkins busts through the rumors and the complexity of the ERC so you can get that free $26,000 per employee you kept during the pandemic and beyond before the program is gone forever. Now, here's Travis. Hey everybody, Travis Watkins. I am a tax lawyer. I am uh, welcoming you here to the uh, weekly discussion on the employee retention tax credit that we do here every week. I'm a little bit late to this week's recording, but uh, hopefully since this thing will be memorialized on YouTube and also we started this new podcast called the ERC Master Class podcast. And I'm your host, Travis Watkins, for that as well. Um, you'll be able to access this, you know, in your car, uh, on YouTube, whatever works best for you. But we got some really great questions this week, and we're getting these all the time. So keep asking them, of course. But uh, I've kind of funneled all these down into one set of questions about the employee retention tax credit as it relates to audits. We're hearing all kinds of questions. Everybody wants to know if they're going to get audited, when that's going to happen, what that's going to look like, if they're going to be in major trouble, all those kinds of things. So let's jump right into these and kind of dispel some of the myths, give you the facts on what it is. As we know it right now, it's still early, but um, I think these things will really help you out. First of all, will I get audited for sure if I take the employee retention tax credit? That's that's one that uh, is actually a rumor that's going around right now that you will definitely be a audit victim if you take the employee retention tax credit. And look, I mean, this whole thing about 87,000 new IRS agents coming in because of the uh, Inflation Reduction Act that just came out, um, I think that's a little ambitious for the IRS. To say the least, uh, first of all, all those agents are not getting hired tomorrow or next year or maybe in the next three to five years. It's a 10-year plan, and really a lot of that's to uh, counter what they've had in the past at the IRS because of some of their own shenanigans, uh, some of it being related to the IRS's uh, defunding, I guess, during the Trump administration that there's been a lot of attrition at the IRS. So a lot of those 87,000 new employees are supposed to make up for the ones that uh, have left over the last 10 years or are leaving over the next 10 years. And not all those are being assigned to audit, of course. They're supposed to be auditing the richest Americans. That remains to be seen. But as it relates to ERC itself, these are not going to immediately or uh, ever for that matter, end up being just employee retention tax credit audit employees. So um, I think that's a myth that, that this is going to result in mass audits. Uh, the next question we get is, uh, you know, have I done anything wrong if I do get audited by the IRS ultimately on this? 
And the answer to that is no. Uh, the IRS, I think it would be, I think it would be naive, a little Pollyanna, I guess, to say the least, to think that the IRS won't audit some of these. But what they're going to be looking for primarily, because this is somewhat of a a, um, a complex set of evolving rules that uh, they'd like to check in on. And what they're going to be looking for is eligibility. Was the employer eligible from the get-go to take a quarter or certain quarters of the ERC? Uh, they're going to be looking at um, eligibility as it relates to, well, governmental orders are pretty easy for the direct employer to, to prove. The, the area that gets squishy, and the IRS has even admitted so, is when it comes to like full or partial shutdowns, mostly partial shutdowns as it relates to um, supply chain disruption. That's one that they've said it's going to depend on the facts and circumstances of every case. We'll cover here on this podcast, in later podcasts, some real-life examples and, and some things that you can kind of put in your file for any later uh, support that you might need for the uh, supply chain disruption. So that's kind of beyond the scope of what we're talking about here today. But uh, just know that they're going, they could be looking at uh, most of the partial shutdown issues. And, uh, you know, there's there's ample evidence of shutdowns of third parties, especially as it relates to the uh, to the ports of import there in the Los Angeles area. Just uh, one order after another there and just a well-documented group of, of slowdowns, shutdowns, and, and supply chain disruption as it relates just to that port alone. But uh, there's also a, a support that you can get for uh, global shutdowns uh, from Asia to Europe um, and beyond. There's, there's well-documented evidence of shutdowns as it relates to um, imports or travel or meetings. Uh, that supply, that, that, uh, that chain there is well documented. Uh, but you can expect that the IRS, you know, will uh, try to sample, uh, try to go after a few of those to, to, uh, to try to set some precedent there because none really exist. We are seeing some. There have been a few audits that have come out. There's been some audits that have come out on certain applications before they even fund it, which may scare some people. I think that's a really great sign, especially since those are those applications are still being funded. So they're looking at the applications, presumably under all these different types of eligibilities um, and other issues as they relate to the ERC and letting money go through. They're, they are funding them. So that's a good thing. Other areas that they may look at is a significant revenue reduction. Remember the 20% for 2021, you've got to show a significant reduction there, or you may have to if you use that, that particular doorway into the ERC, 50% reduction for 2020. They may also look at PPP uh, has to be deducted from your ERC calculations. That's a super confusing and almost... Um, 
I don't know what the word would be, almost guideless. There is no real precedent for any of that other than some examples that the IRS has put in the notice, uh, IRS notice 2020-21 has some examples, six or seven of them, but they also add to that the caveat that those are not the only ones that could ever come up. Um, So, PPP application itself, there's they have left a lot of leeway for the employer to uh, run the numbers several times on their own or with their uh, tax professional to come up with the most advantageous one. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, and I don't think that the IRS would disagree to uh, to take PPP in the most beneficial under the formats of the rules as they exist to help the employer take the most ERC credit. Other things they may look at uh, qualified wages, which wages uh, go into your calculation if you're called upon to do that. So uh, those are the things that I think that they uh, might be looking at, but they're not just because you're getting audited saying that, hey, you've done something wrong and hand over the money. That's just not how that's, that's not how any audit has ever worked. Uh, Next question, will the IRS audit other returns if they're auditing just the ERC? And first of all, let me say the ones that we've seen, the audits that have come through on this, which are very few, by the way, as of this date here in September of 2022, but the ones that we are uh, seeing, uh, they are, it's impossible to tell if they're just going for the ERC or if these were random audits of some sort uh, for payroll in general, uh, based on what types of documents that they're requesting. Um, This does not necessarily open the Pandora's box to all kinds of other returns. We hear that all the time as questions like, hey, you know, I I don't want to take the ERC that I'm entitled to uh, because I'm afraid that this is going to open up this slippery slope of all kinds of of, uh, of issues. Um, I, I don't think that's that's necessarily the case. What they may look at beyond just the ERC application and um, and the 941X that that you have to file in order to request ERC. They they may look at the corporate return for the year that you're taking ERC to make sure that you've adjusted uh, your your corporate return for that year appropriately. And most importantly, it's, you know, you aren't going to be able to claim that. Just like PPP, you're not going to be able to claim all those payroll expenses if you are ultimately uh, awarded or reimbursed for uh, those payroll expenses as part of the employee retention tax credit. Just makes simple sense there. It's logical. Um, They may also look at the owner return, you know, if all those things, once you have taken away some of the the business expense there of payroll, that may affect the owner uh, distribution on a K-1. So they may check that also. But this does not necessarily open Pandora's box to a whole, you know, carte blanche type of audit. Hey, business owners, for a limited time, the IRS is rewarding employers like you with free money, up to 28,000 bucks per employee 
for keeping workers during the pandemic and beyond. Most employers qualify, but the rules can be confusing and subject to change and interpretation at the whim of legislators and the IRS. Call Lifeline Financial for the employee retention credit before it's gone. Call Lifeline Financial today to qualify at 866-939-5532. Who's the best professional to go get this for you? Well, a tax lawyer who deals with the IRS every single day. Of course, call us at 866-939-5532. Take the credit. You won't regret it. Now back to your podcast. Next question, will I have to pay the money back? And again, not just simply because you have been audited. There are, there will be an audit. There, there will be a, um, a shoring up of the things that you have put into your calculations and there shall be argument on that. And among those that know the ERC, um, uh, we're all looking for for these types of test audits, you know, to quite frankly, to to be ready to take up some of these test audits, um, you know, to district court if necessary, uh, certainly to tax court um, if that's appropriate. But, um, you know, just the, the fact that this has been flagged, we don't know why they might be flagged. They could be ERC tasked or they could just be a run of the mill audit. So. Uh, doesn't mean that you have to pay all the money back. Um, again, some of these are being audited even before funding, which again is a great thing. Um, if you were to lose, that doesn't mean that you lose carte blanche, everything that uh, every possible uh, benefit that you got here. Again, these are applied for on individual 941X, I mean, individual like standalone quarter 941X for the business. And uh, each one of those would be evaluated, you know, on their own merits. So this won't be a, a you know, just a, hey, you've been honored to give us all the money back plus interest, okay? Um, the, the one that, you know, is kind of ruminating, I guess, in everybody's mind is with all these things uh, and audits potentially on the way, is it worth it? And I think at the end of the day, that it is worth it because of those ERCs that we have participated in, that we have helped with, with, I would say, 10 or more employees in the mix, you're looking at probably an average, some higher, of course, some lower, of uh, $300 plus thousand dollars, uh, potentially, depending on what type of business it is and, you know, how much you are paying your employees and uh, what the facts and circumstances of every case are, but the, that's a pretty big potential benefit. So yeah, I mean, the clients that we've helped out, they're definitely seeing that it is worth um, doing these things, of course, doing them right. But um, you know, with that risk in the background, it's still ultimately worth it at the end of the day. Next question, of course, who's the best person to represent me now and if I get audited? So who should be doing the ERC application for me? What professional? And, um, you know, if, if it does get audited, who's going to be the best? Well, um, I always say begin with the end in mind with all of these things. Start with the professional that you would feel comfortable having represent you not only for for 
coming up with a 941X, which is not any great shakes once you've done the calculations on these things. But who is standing there at the end of the, the, the tunnel, so to speak, if God forbid there is an audit? And that person, that professional, in my opinion, as a tax lawyer, is a tax lawyer. CPAs are certainly qualified to do this. Um, Non-degreed um, people can, can do this as well, but you have to look at the end, keep that in mind, and 99% of CPAs are not uh, licensed to go to tax court. They can't go fight this ultimately down the line. They certainly, unless they have a law degree and uh, are admitted to practice in in uh, federal courts, they don't have the ability to take these up to any district court if there's a uh, if there's a challenge at the end of the day. So uh, start with a tax lawyer. Have them help you do the 941X. Have them standing by. Have them um, give you the pointers on on all these eligibility things and help you with that calculation and the 941X and also you know, have some some tax professional, in my opinion, again, tax attorney that has been around a while doing these and that will be here at the end of the day in three years, possibly up to five years uh, if this thing ever gets audited. So again, choose somebody that's going to be, uh, that's still going to be around, begin with the end in mind and uh, put your best foot forward, keeping all those things in mind. And, and most importantly, you know, don't freak out. Don't listen to all this stuff on the internet. Uh, you know, CPAs, especially talking about uh, woe is me and how terrible this, this program could be and unethical. It could possibly be certainly do everything right. Do, do your homework on these things and make sure that you're submitting a uh, legal and good faith 941 X with all the rules that you, you, you can, uh, find application for. There's not a whole lot really out there at the end of the day, other than a rehashing of of possible examples that the IRS has out there. But begin with it in mind, and and you know don't don't freak out about this stuff. There is a little bit of time still here to uh, make sure that you get the right application out there, and that you get the best professional to help you get those 941 X's and be standing in the wings, helping you with support down the road. All right. Thanks for tuning in here and keep those questions coming. They are fantastic. They're just what other people like you want to know. So it, it really helps if you have the courage to go ahead and, and ask that. Give us a call. 866-939-5532 is the number. And uh, we'll be back next week with more. Thanks for watching and listening.